Father in heaven, thank you for this time that we have to study your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for seeing us safely through the night. Thank you for health and strength and life itself. And as now, Lord, we come to study your word together. Please, guide us once more with your Holy Spirit. May you give us ears to hear your voice and a heart to understand the message and a willingness to apply the things that we study this morning, if it be truth. Please guide us, O Lord, to that end is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A new year. A time to look back at our New Year's resolutions from the previous year. To see whether we have achieved them and accomplished them. A time to look back to see what we need to improve. A time to reflect. And a time also to look forward and make New Year's resolutions. You know, last night after we finished our sermon, uh, we still had our group outside here and we went around and shared one thing that we wanted to, to make as a New Year's resolution. And we're going to hold each other accountable to that and we're going to revisit it in one year. And I hope and pray that all of us, we will be able to accomplish those goals by God's grace. And, you know, in the Bible, Paul, he takes also a spiritual inventory of himself that he wrote down for all of us, something for us to reflect upon as well as we read these scriptures found starting here in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 15. This is what Paul says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have, to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye otherwise be minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So Paul, he talks about how he wants to press forward toward the mark or the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. But before he could do that, there were two steps that he had to understand and that we have to understand today before we can move forward in 2021. The first thing is that he didn't think himself perfect. He didn't look to the past to say, I was perfect. But in fact, when he looked to the past, he said, it's not as if I was perfect. If he was perfect, Christ would have come already. He didn't consider that he had already obtained or reached the stature or standard to which Christ wanted him to reach. In order to know this, he must have had a keen sense of understanding of self in order to make such a statement, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, in order to make such a statement as that, he must have seen the areas in his life where he had fallen short or where he could definitely improve. I know what the rest of the text says, okay? To forget those things which are behind. And we'll look at that in a second, but it's not what you think. You see, in order to understand where you haven't attained, you have to look back into the past. And before we, we jump with joy into 2021 that God has actually brought us here, 
we have to look back at 2020 and not the pandemic, but your personal life, where we've come short, where we failed, where we've come short of his glory. Paul, look, he wasn't just saying, oh, I, I, I'm not perfect and, uh, you know, that, that he hadn't attained just from a sense of that's what we should do as Christians. You know, sometimes we tell ourselves, oh, yeah, surely I'm a sinner. I don't know where I've sinned, but, you know, I'm a sinner for sure. And I, I, and I, I must have sinned today. He wasn't saying that. And this ambiguous statement where he didn't know where he'd fallen short, but he had looked back to his past. He had taken an inventory of his life and he could see where his past experience was not matching up to the stature of the fullness of Christ. He could see where he needed to improve and in order to do that, he had to look to the past. And so friends, you got to look back into 2020 with me this morning that you have to reflect upon where you have to improve, where you need to come up higher again. And friends, if you can't identify that, if you aren't able to see the defects in the areas of your life from 2020, look, I'm not trying to do this to make you feel bad, to get you uh, to whip yourself all over again and get you depressed or, you know, it's not that. But in order to know where to press forward on, you got to know where you came from. And if you don't know, this is a serious spiritual flaw. Do you know that? Look at this. Steps to Christ, 64, page 64, paragraph 2. Look at what she says here. The closer you come to Jesus, the more faulty you will appear in your own eyes. For your vision will be clearer and your imperfections will be seen in broad and distinct contrast to his perfect nature. This is evidence that Satan's delusions have lost their power, that the vivifying influence of the Spirit of God is arousing you. The more we walk with Christ, the closer we grow to Christ, the more in holiness we become, the more we will realize we are not holy. We'll compare ourselves with Jesus Christ, the one that we've been walking with every day, and we will realize how short we come of His glory every single day. Look, notice it does not say the more closely you walk with Christ, the more imperfections you will see in other people. That's not what Ellen White says there. No, friends, you got to hold the mirror up to yourself to see where you are falling short of the glory of God. This is really important in our first step of being able to move forward. But look at this. In the next paragraph of Steps to Christ, 65 paragraph 1, no deep-seated love for Christ can dwell in the heart that does not realize its own sinfulness. Do you see that? You can't truly love Jesus fully and entirely if you do not realize how sinful you really are. The soul that is transformed by the grace of Christ will admire His divine character. But if we do not see our own moral deformity, it is unmistakable evidence that we have not had a view of the beauty and excellence of Christ. Friends, if you've been walking with Jesus this past year, you will definitely 
see where you can improve. You will definitely see where you've fallen short. And it's not just as you sit here right now thinking about it, like, hmm, where have I fallen short? And surely I must fall in short somewhere. And oh, Ben, I'm going to wait for you to tell me where I've fallen short. No, if you have been walking with Jesus, you will say with Paul, it's not as if I've already attained or as if I was perfect. You will be able to see your moral defects. You will be able to see your sinfulness. And this is the foundation, in a sense, to help us to understand true love towards Jesus, our Savior. So friends, if you realize this, it's because you are having a consistent devotional time with Jesus Christ, our Savior. So number one, we got to realize, hey, I wasn't perfect. Where have you fallen short in 2020? Why is this important? Let's look at the next step. Step number two is this. You got to forget the things that are behind. Now, what does that mean? Look, Christ wants you to forget the past, but He doesn't want you to forget it like it never happened. Okay? He doesn't want you to carry the burdens of the past, of your failures, of your mistakes, of your sins into 2021. He wants you to forget it ultimately so it doesn't define you today. But don't let Christ give you a clean slate, a blank paper for this year, only to repeat the mistakes of last year. Right? He wants you to forget the past so you're not burdened by it. He wants to give you a heart full of joy and freedom to do His will and His work. But He doesn't want you to keep repeating the same mistakes again and again and again. Friends, you got to believe that, you know, when Jesus says in 1 John 1.9, if you confess your sins, I am faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. you got to believe that with all your heart. He wants to cleanse all that away, but He doesn't want you to keep repeating it and going back to it. But we got to believe it. Too many of us, we carry our past mistakes into the following year and we allow those past sins to define us. Well, I've been struggling with this the whole year and I didn't have victory. Well, you know, there's no chance that I'm going to have victory this year. We don't want to bring the sins of 2020 into 2021. Look at what Christ says in Isaiah 44, 22. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Friends, don't let your mind be burdened with the problems of the past year and its perplexities that it stops you moving forward with hope and with courage in this new year. We like to take our burdens and our guilts and make it define us. Too often we define ourselves by our past failures and our past mistakes and past problems. We bring it into the new year and let it burn on us, burden us and change us and make us think negative thoughts. But then look at what Christ says to us in Hebrews 12.1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Friends, we got to lay aside every weight. Don't let the past weigh you down so that you can run this race with patience. When you reflect on this past year, Understand where you've fallen. Understand where you've come short. 
where you haven't reflected Christ's character, where you've been doing the things that you shouldn't have been doing, where you've fallen short in how you spent your time or your money, where you've spoken words that no human being should have ever heard, never mind Jesus Christ or God Himself. We need to understand our shortcomings. We've got to ask God to forgive us. We've got to ask God to cleanse us. We've got to ask God to give us His Spirit to help us to move beyond those past failures. And then you need to forget it. Don't let it burden it down, burden you down and crush your spirit. The fact that you've made it alive till the end of this year, uh, this past year and into this new year is evidence that Christ is merciful, that He's gracious and that He still wants to work on your heart. So forget the past. Don't tell yourself, oh, Christ doesn't want to have anything to do with me. We must be careful also then not to despise God's grace. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 to 6. Or despisest thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Let's learn from the past, friends, so that we don't despise God's grace and His mercy and His long-suffering towards us in forgiving us, not so that we can keep doing it over and over again, but that He can help us to change. 2021 has to be different. It must be. And if you thought you led a good life in 2020 and that there's not much to improve on, then it's because you haven't been walking with Jesus as closely as you needed to be. Because the closer we come, the more sinful we will see ourselves. The more changes we will realize we need to make in our lives. But after all of that, after you've realized where you come short, after you forget the past, then what do you have to do? You've got to press forward. That is the really the main message of our sermon this morning. The title itself shows that we've got to move forward. We've got to press forward to the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We should have an aim. We always should. We do it for our school. We do it for our work. We must also have a spiritual aim as well. We got to move forward and aim for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus our Lord. And friends, look, there's nothing wrong to, with having New Year's resolutions, but many times it has nothing to do with God. It's got nothing to do with anything spiritual. It's got nothing to do with God's will in our life and His calling in our lives. And I have such things. You know, last night I shared, I want to read two books a month. You know, I, I want to lose weight. And many of us had that sort of uh, 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 aim, you know. And I, I want to save more money. And we have all sorts of goals and aims. But many times we leave out spiritual goals, spiritual aims. And we have to have that. Not, not that we're trying to work our way to heaven. No, no, no. But we have to have an aim to be able to grow more in Christ, to be able to walk deeper with Christ. 
we got to come to this point where we understand God's will for us in our lives. Look at what James says, James chapter 4, verse 13 to 15. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Well, that sounds like a New Year's resolution. For the next year, I want to grow in my wealth. I want to, to, to be able to have a better job or earn more or, you know, whatever it is. But then look at what James says. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Look, there's nothing wrong with having a New Year's resolution to increase your salary or, or earn more money. But friends, God says you should be praying for God's will. You should be asking God, what is His will for my New Year's resolutions? this year. Have you prayed about it? Have you gone to God on your knees and asked God, God, what is it that I should make as my New Year's resolution? And I believe if you pause long enough, He'll give you the answer, friends. But too often our New Year's resolutions, our aims, our, 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 our the prize and the, 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 what we set on, uh, set our eyes upon, our goals, Many times they're not spiritual. And so, look, I want to identify with you some aims, some goals that you can make your own this coming year. Something that we can aim for that is spiritual. The first one I want to suggest to you is a deeper walk with Christ. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Jesus, he's always waiting to gain entrance into our hearts. He's ready. He's waiting to spend more time with us. He's desperate to spend more time with us, in fact. He's wishing for more of our hearts, more of our time, more of our lives. God wants to be the savior of our life. He wants to be our friend as well more than just a God, more than just something that we aim for, aim to be the friend of God as Abraham was described in James 2.23. The scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You can't have a deeper walk with Christ if you aren't spending more time with him. Yes, we should have quality over quantity, but the amount of time eventually does matter. You can only understand so much about God and even a person when you're spending time with them five minutes a day or 15 minutes a day. Friends, I hardly call that a relationship. Some of you spend hours with your colleagues. Some of you eat with your colleagues every day, one hour a day, and you can't tell me that you have a relationship with them. Or maybe you do. But friends, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes is not enough. Get up to 30 minutes. Get up to one hour. Bible workers, we've been given that challenge. Two hours every day with Jesus. Deepen that time with Him. Read more of His Word. Read more of the Spirit of Prophecy. Give yourself a name to read one Spirit of Prophecy book every month. Spiritual aim. Don't say, oh, I can't. Aim high. 
too often we 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 try to figure out what is my my how do you say my possibility what 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 is it within the sphere of what i can do look friends i'm a non-reader i don't love to read but when you can give yourself an aim for of one book of ellen white every month and for some i heard last night one uh, the whole bible in one year that's a good aim to have and if you don't achieve it maybe you read 90 percent but if you had told yourself i'm going to read just uh you know the new testament that that's less than 50 percent of the bible right and you don't achieve it that's that's less but if you tell yourself one the whole bible in one year and you only get 50 percent, that's more than you telling yourself i'm going to read the whole new testament right do you understand that aim high set your goals high the first one i want to suggest to you deepen your walk with jesus christ the second one our character look at this ephesians 4 31 32 let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice malice and be kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as god for christ's sake hath forgiven you oh friends this is a big aim put away anger and wrath putting away bitterness you know what bitterness is it's anger from disappointment or being unfairly treated another word for that is resentment you know um, it changes how we act towards a person friends spouses children's brothers children or brothers or sisters you know we we act in different ways because we're disappointed by them but friends don't don't change the way you act or react um, just because of your disappointment but make sure you help that person to come up higher or make sure you don't take it too personally that it changes you but then also evil speaking that's a big one another word for evil speaking in our uh, our language today is gossip you know making sure that we 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 don't speak evil about people and, and presume upon their actions without understanding the whole situation evil speaking is preceded by evil thinking many times we speak evil of other people because we're already thinking evil of them we don't like them and it's just that we find an occasion now to to speak evil of them but if they were our best friend or our good friend we'll go and talk to them and ask them hey what's going on here right but too e often the evil speaking arises is because we don't have love for them and so really that is love that we need from god that is character we got to grow in character and in the grace of jesus christ our lord and savior and i'm sure there's a lot to change but friends as we walk closer with jesus as we spend more time with him surely we will see our character defects surely somewhere along the way he will convict us of the things that we should not be doing or he'll send someone along the way and show us hey ben you shouldn't have said that you shouldn't have done that you got to stop talking about this person or saying that you know god will reveal it to us if our hearts are sincere and we really want to grow so growth in character there's got to come a point friends where we stop saying that's who i am take it or leave it no friends god accepts us for who we are but it doesn't mean that he will give us entrance into heaven because of that no he wants us to grow he wants us to go beyond the character defects that we came to him with he wants us to be like him 
So there's one. Another one. Commitment. Greater commitment for God. And whether that's in devotion, whether that's in His works, in, ter- in terms of serving Him, friends, I want to leave you, I'll give you this quote. There is no commitment without sacrifice. If there is a greater commitment, there must be a greater sacrifice. Sacrifice of time. You know, more time to put into the Lord's work. More time to give to Bible study and teaching somebody. Yes, more time to spend with the Lord. And that's the first challenge I gave you. Or even if it's just coming earlier to Sabbath school, to be a good example and not be a stumbling block to other people or to stay back longer for church activities, or to join more church programs, or to go through the discipleship handbook with somebody. Sacrifice of time. Sacrifice of means. You know, giving more to the Lord's work. More offering, not just the usual 10% tithe, or even just 10% offering, which is what we call the second tithe, but to give more to the Lord instead of giving more to yourself. You know, too often we live a certain way because that's all the means that we have. And when, when the money increases, we, we find it that we have to increase the way we spend our money, isn't it? And we spend it more lavishly because we never had it before. But friends, how about the Lord's work? How about the Lord's work? Giving more. And do it. Don't, don't do it according to amount. Oh, uh, last year I gave 10,000 in tithe and 10,000 in offering. This year I'll give 20,000 in tithe, 20,000 in offering. But if your salary went from 100,000 to 500,000, you should be giving 50, right? Go according to percentage. Make sure it always increases in percentage as well. Giving more to the Lord's work. Sacrifice and commitment. And then even sacrifice of your own life. We saw time, we saw money, but sacrifice of your own life in serving. You know, friends, it's tiring to have people over, to cook, to clean, and then to to clean again. You know, it goes beyond our comfort zone sometimes. But friends, if more of us open our houses to, to allow people to come and eat with us and to spend time with us, you know, maybe you're not the most hospital or the most extroverted person in the world, but friends, if we would give more time to that, we would see our church grow because that's how the early church grew. They were going from house to house every day, eating with different people. Do you see that? There is no commitment without sacrifice. A greater commitment to do the Lord's work. Another one that I want to suggest to you, our health. And... uh. You knew it was coming, but friends, you know, 2 Peter chapter 1, it tells us that we should add to knowledge temperance. And I was convicted by this because I've been going through the testimonies for the church, and I read this. Ellen White spent a whole chapter on this. I want to read this quote to you that kind of spoke to my heart that day as I was reading through. It's taken from Testimonies for the Church, volume 2, 63, paragraph 3. Will the people who are preparing to become holy pure and refined, that they may be introduced into the society of heavenly angels, continue to take the life of God's creatures and subsist on their flesh and enjoy it as a luxury? From what the Lord has shown me, this order of things will be changed and God's peculiar people will exercise temperance in all things. She continues, 
the liability to take disease is increased tenfold by meat eating. The intellectual, the moral, and the physical powers are depreciated by the habitual use of flesh meats. Meat eating deranges the system, beclouds the intellect, and blunts the moral sensibilities. We say to you, dear brother and sister, your safest course is to let meat alone. You know, why does it seem like Ben has to preach this to you? Why is it that, you know, it seems like every time I get up my two by four and hit you over the head with this big piece of wood that is called health reform? I don't know, friends. I mean, if you were reading the testimonies yourselves, I believe you would come to the same conclusion. And if you are, you'd be sitting in your seat where you are right now listening to me saying, Amen, praise the Lord. Not because you are vegetarian, but because it is truth. You know, I, I don't desire to just talk about vegetarian diet all the time, but friends, it's important. It really is. And, uh, you know, on sex side, we talked about this health challenge, and I, I appreciate it so much when Sean, our, 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 our health uh, ministry leader, um, gave us these challenges for exercise and for diet as well. Um, it's a good challenge. And, um, you know, don't be afraid to read the book Councils on Diets and Foods by Ellen White. God has given us this message not to, to hurt us and to harm us or to make us feel bad or to just show us how far short we've come of the glory of God, but to be a blessing to us, to help us to be stronger in our bodies and healthier. And I know you're, you're probably scared because your eyes may be open to changes that need to take place in your life. Maybe you're thinking, um, you know, how? And you, maybe you already know the changes that already need to be made. But friends, if you're walking with Christ, if you're asking for the Holy Spirit, He will be the one that will give you the desire to change, to help you to come up higher, to be more healthy, to give you victory over your appetite, to help you to be temperate. Friends, people don't gain weight by accident. I've gained one kilogram over this past week because I've eaten dinner so many times. And even for celebrating, you know, New Year, celebrating my son's birthday, celebrating this and that, you know, I know the reason why I gained weight. It's not, it's not uh, something that I'm just scratching my head. How? I know. I ate too much. It's that simple. So, you know, it's not just about vegetarian diet, but it's temperance. It's about making sure that we keep our bodies healthy for God. And so, look, it's important. Very, very important. New Year's resolutions, spiritual goals that you want to set. Not just for your life, not just for your career, not just for your relationship, not just for your personal uh, studies and all of that but something for Jesus, something that you can set to say, God, I need help in this area of my life. And this year, you have convicted me. This is what I need to focus on in this year. But one last one, one last one that I want to give you before I stop here. You know, we, we talked about this. Make sure that your, your New Year's resolutions are according to the will of God. And there is one thing I know definitely is the will of God. Let me read to you this text, 2 Peter 3.9. 
The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Friends, it is not God's will for any to perish, but he wants everybody to be saved. And he wants everybody to get involved in the work of soul saving. If there's anything that I can say with certainty that is 100% God's will, it is this. For everyone to be in the kingdom of heaven. Which means that it's definitely God's will for every person to be committed to bring another soul into the kingdom of heaven. Today, the Seventh-day Adventist Church has been called forth to save those that are perishing. That's what Israel was set up for, to be to shine the light of God's goodness to the whole world, to be that, that saving agency through which God could work. And today, God has set the Seventh-day Adventist Church to be such. And I can't imagine that we're doing God's will just by living our life, working, studying, going to church one day a week, keeping the Sabbath, but not helping a single soul come closer to the kingdom of heaven. When Christ comes, <clears throat> pardon me, to this earth for a second time, the Bible asks, will he find faith? Will he utter to each of us, well done, good and faithful servant? Will he congratulate us just for being vegetarian? Just for keeping the Sabbath and giving tithe and going to church? Is that the reason why he'll congratulate us? No, he'll ask us. He'll ask each and every one of us, where are the souls that I gave you? He will ask us how we've multiplied our talents. He will look to see how our lives have impacted the lives of others, whether we've been a blessing. You know, it seems counterproductive to preach about more commitment in giving tithe and, you know, the health message and being more temperate um, and how we live our lives to tell us that the most important point is soul winning. Friends, look, why preach about the Sabbath? Why preach about diet? Why preach about being temperate? Why preach about giving tithe and offering? Why focus on these laws and standards and, and things that it doesn't seem to save you? Well, of course it doesn't, right? But the money you give can support someone to save another soul into the kingdom of heaven. When you have the right perspective as to why you do all these things, then it helps you to understand the purpose of the standards. When the salvation of a soul is in our view, we will want to keep our bodies in the most healthful manner so we can witness to them. When we have the salvation of a soul as our goal, then tithe and offering, it becomes more important. It's not about whether I agree with this church and what they do, but are they really involved in the work of soul saving? If your local church is involved in the work of soul saving, then by all means, please support them. Don't stop because someone offended you because of what they said. No, friends, uh, 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 the way that we live our lives and our lives in, in, in the standards that we choose to uphold and what the Bible tells us to do, it will not be according to how a person treats us. You don't stop giving tithe because, you know, the the... No one said hi to you at church and wished you a happy Sabbath. No, friends. When the work of soul-saving is our ultimate goal, all these other things become important, even our walk with Christ. God, if I am to help someone to come closer to the kingdom of heaven today, I have to make sure that you are with me. It will not 
leave that place of appointment until we know that Christ is leaving with us. Friends, this is where many of us have come short. Look, I want to share with you a quote. Christian Service 118, paragraph 1. There are those who for a lifetime have professed to be acquainted with Christ, yet who have never made a personal effort to bring even one soul to the Savior. Let me say it a different way. There are those who have been in the Seventh-day Adventist Church for a really long time, yet who have never made a personal effort to bring even one soul to the Savior. They leave all the work for the minister. He may be well qualified for his calling, but he cannot do that which God has left for the members of the church. Friends, there is a personal responsibility with soul saving. And this year, I want you to make it a personal goal. If you've been in the church for a long time and you are of that group that Ellen White has just spoken about, you've never brought one soul to the Savior, then that has to be your goal for this year. And not just because it's a number and, you know, for the sake of it. No, friends. It'll help you understand where you stand spiritually with your Lord as well. And if you have brought a soul to the Savior in the past year, then bring two this year. Are you with me? Don't say, oh, I've done it. Okay, that's it. No, friends. It's a heart that is burdened with love for Jesus Christ to, to want to see souls saved into His kingdom that drives us every day to live for Him. Friends, while you are making New Year's resolutions, and as much of them, they are probably all good New Year's resolutions, you've got to make spiritual goals as well. I want to encourage you to pray, God, give me just one soul, one soul to study with, one soul to, to, to come closer to Jesus, one soul that I may minister to. Because friends, you are either a missionary or you are the mission field. Are you with me? You're either out there on the front lines and praying for people and bringing souls closer or else you are the mission field. I have to go and minister to you. And so do the Bible workers. And so do the elders. And so do the deacons. But friends, it's time to redeem the time that was lost. It's time to turn our eyes away just from self and all our own needs and all our own personal goals. But in this next year, let us become wiser unto salvation. What are your goals? Do you have to readjust them? Does Christ fit into your plans? Have you asked Him what your New Year's resolutions are and what they should be and what you've written down? Is that aligning with Him? Why not bring, to, bring it to Jesus? Bring it to the foot of the cross and ask, Jesus, can you bless my goals for this year? If not, Help me to align my goals with you. And you might go, oh, but I know what Jesus is going to say already. Oh, praise the Lord. Then as you walk with him, he will give you the joy in accomplishing his will 
his goals, his thoughts, his way. And you will find joy. You will find peace. You will find true satisfaction that you've never found before. More than graduating, more than earning a million dollars or hitting a jackpot lottery, more than any of that. He will give you an euphoria of feelings that you've never felt before. Friends, if you've never experienced it, you've never tasted of His goodness. 2021, it has to be different. And it begins with the decisions that you are making before you even move forward. And if you haven't got any spiritual goals, friends, you got to write it down today because you plan to fail if you know if you fail to plan, right? So you got to have plans. But I want you to make plans for Christ today, to press forward, to go beyond the man or woman that you were in this past year, to be better for Christ's sake. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that you would please convict us, show us where we have lived selfishly for our own lives, our own plans, our own desires. We, we've made New Year's resolutions and goals that even probably were not even according to your will. As good as they may be, Lord, I'm sure you have other plans for us. Help us to understand what that is. And in this year, Lord, help us to walk according to your will and not according to our own selfish desires. Please, Lord, guide us to that end. Help us not to be blinded by our own personal goals that we fail to see the blessing that you want us to be in this coming year. Lead us continually. Pour upon us each a double portion of your Holy Spirit that you might give us the power to will and to do of your good pleasure. Bless us, O Lord, to that end we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen.